Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Invesco's latest Ben Squared podcast, where we attempt to share insights on the major market issues in just 10 minutes. As usual, we welcome our resident expert guest, Ben Jones, Director of Macro Research at Invesco, and your resident host remains myself, Ben Gutteridge, despite calls to be replaced by an AI alternative, uh, with some even suggesting Microsoft's Clippy. A touch hard to take, but I always welcome uh, feedback. Now, look, our plan today is to discuss some macro topics uh, beyond NVIDIA and the Magnificent Seven might seem a bit pointless at the moment. We do still think these things should still have some impact on markets, but uh, also because our sister podcast, uh, Time in the Market, is releasing an episode this Thursday, 29th of Feb, uh, exclusively covering the theme and stars Joe Dowling, uh, a global equities fund manager here at Invesco. And uh, so we do a much deeper dive on the subject in that recording. Uh, and what a great job Joe did. So do look out for that. Uh, but look, Ben, we'll still offer you know, like a fleeting but also informed comment on this topic. But we're going to focus uh, more time today on UK and European data for closing out with some thoughts on uh, inflation, US PMIs and what that means for Fed policy. Uh, But before any of that, just want to remind the audience this podcast is intended for UK professional investors only, should not be considered as investment advice and that any capital invested is always capital at risk. Finally, do hang on after the conversation is finished to hear some additional important disclaimers. Right, Ben, sitting by so patiently. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much. I hope you are very well. Uh, first question. I mean, in light of the recent developments, uh, is macro research now a redundant art form and should we instead all become tech analysts? Well, I've got to say absolutely not, haven't I? Otherwise, I'm about to uh, to be fired at the end of this call. So uh, I I don't think it's the end. Uh, What I do think, though, is that um, all of these things are important, um, but the the relative degree of importance will certainly um, wax and wane um, through time. In fact, I was having this conversation with um, a strategist I'm sure many people will know, Peter Oppenheimer from from Goldman Sachs recently, and we were were talking about the need really to be very much the the generalist and be able to um, really piece lots of different pieces of information together from lots of different fields. So be that from understanding what is going on in the in the tech space and what is going on with AI and how that may influence um, productivity and broad global macro trends. Um, but we've also got to think about the sort of the geopolitics, um, the just the general political backdrop as well. There's lots of things we need to factor in. So, um, look, I think it's very important to have a very close eye on the what is going on in the tech space. It is incredibly important. And as you said, you've got Joe Dowling to really delve into the detail of that um, later this week. And, and I've really enjoyed speaking to him recently about his thoughts on not just um, sort of NVIDIA and the Magnificent Seven, but some of the broader um, big um, tech stocks and, and other um, stocks out there in, in Europe as well that are perhaps more on the sort of nostalgia end, the luxury goods names of the uh, of the world as well. He's got some some very good comments. So I do encourage people to listen to, uh, to that. Um, but there is a lot going on in the macro space as well, um, despite obviously what's uh, been happening in the earnings space for those um, magnificent seven names. So um, perhaps let's let's jump into it. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to know. We'll find out in the fullness of time. You know, I know that you and your colleagues, as I say, get together with like popcorn and chocolates and flags and whistles for non-farm, poll, uh, non-farm payrolls day. I wonder whether that's going to pivot to uh, NVIDIA results day from, from now on. But we shall we shall see. Now, as you said, let's get to the data. We'll kick off with UK, the UK recession data, which I know our audience will have been sort of versed in. It did happen a little while ago. I mean, the, the, the cadence of our podcast, I mean, it has been a little while since 
uh, our last recording and, and obviously this data came out since then but you know dust has settled a little bit be interested to know what with it with a little bit more time elapsed since we learned this news you know what you're thinking about that data maybe you've got a bit more confidence or, or not that we're past the worst yeah, I think, look, I mean, actually, that's the short answer to your question, Ben. I think we are um, past the worst. It's certainly a topic that um, me and my colleagues here are, are debating, um, not just actually in the UK, but also in, in Japan, interestingly enough. Japan um, saw similar data at the end of last year, signalling a, a technical uh, recession. Um, but when it comes to the UK, um, I do think we are we are past the worst. I, I also think there's probably enough in the data that probably signals that the Bank of England is the first of the major central banks to, to cut rates. Um, now, by saying that, I really am betting against history. Normally, history says that the Fed will go first, followed by the Bank of England and the ECB. But I think this time could be um, slightly different. Um, so look, there's there's certainly some signals that some of the data is weakening, um, certainly some signals that the inflation picture um, is going to come or rather inflation is going to come lower more quickly than it is in the um, in the US as well. But in terms of the growth picture, yes, we saw those very mild negative real GDP prints in both Q3 and Q4. Of 2023. Um, but I think there's some reasons to think that we are past the worst, um, partly because, as we've seen, um, interest rates ease back a little bit in the UK. We've seen mortgage rates also ease back in the um, in recent uh, recent months, ticked up a little bit in the last week or so, but still they are lower than where they were sort of 18 uh, months ago. And what that means is that people were going that were going through that sort of refinancing period over the last 18 months or so that that would have got squeezed and there would have been a, a decent number that did get squeezed. They're perhaps now looking to come off some of those variables, start to refinance again. And actually what we should see is a little bit of a boost in Q2 of this year um, from some refinancing. There was a really good piece by um, Barclays actually that delved into this in a lot of detail and it was posted into the um, into the FT as well for anyone that's interested. So I, I do urge people to go and look at that. Um, what we're also likely to see in, uh, what is it, about two weeks time now, the UK budget, um, I suspect is a little bit of a um, fiscal giveaway, um, suspect some tax cuts coming through there, which will be positive after this year. And then perhaps the biggest thing that we see, excuse me, is that real incomes are starting to grow, and that's likely to get a lot better come April when the um, the price cap is reduced on um, on energy bills in the uh, in the UK. Um, so there's a lot of things here that are tilting towards some of those headwinds being removed um, and UK growth um, starting to um, to improve, and that's why we're thinking about looking more closely at things like um, UK small caps, for example, some an area that's very deeply undervalued in our, um, in our minds has performed very poorly for a long period of time. But we think that a, a bit of an improvement here, a bit of a taking out of the pessimism is, is perhaps the catalyst you need for some of those UK smaller cap names to start to perform better going forward. Okay, well, we'll certainly keep an eye on that. Um, Something else that I keep a close eye on, or rather I pretend to keep a close eye on, uh, is European data. I have to say probably, I don't know whether it's sort of this, it's a bit unfair, I'm not sure, but uh, maybe this podcast will certainly focus a lot on the US, UK, and I spend a lot of time on China. Perhaps we don't spend as much time on, on Europe. So, I mean, my my starting assessment, from the, as I say, the fleeting research that I do is that like Germany's bringing the whole uh, you know, is, is weighing heavy on that uh, on that on that uh, region. Have you got some uh, s recent data that might might tell a different story? 
Yeah, actually, Bill, I don't think you're necessarily alone in paying a little bit less attention to the, to Europe than to other parts of the world. I think that's certainly generally what I'm seeing in a lot of people that are commenting on the world uh, at the moment, um, which is interesting because it is a, a big part of the uh, the global economy. And again, there are things here that I'm seeing that are uh, making me a little bit more optimistic and a little bit more positive. Um, the one that I'd really point to, I think, over the last week or so has been the PMI data, which broadly speaking um, ticked up and was, um, I wouldn't say massively surprisingly positive, but was starting to head in the direction in the right direction across a broad range of countries. Unfortunately, wasn't Germany. Germany was the one sort of um, sort of exception that proved the rule, as it were, in the PMI data, and the uh, the manufacturing PMI there was a little bit weaker. Um, but in places like France and Italy, we did see um, something of an improvement, and it's something that we're seeing across a broad range of data is we've seen this sort of nascent improvement in manufacturing activity in Europe, obviously the services activity there as well. Um, also in places like Asia as well, um, chip orders, for example, starting to, to improve. Um, the one that I've been watching closely in Europe, though, has been Sweden. And we've talked, I think we've talked about it on this podcast before. I've certainly been talking to um, to clients about it over the last sort of couple of months or so, is that the Swedish PMI tends to be a good leading indicator of better activity because it's that um, bearing manufacturer to the world uh, very industrial and that's been been improving um, quite significantly so I think PMI data coming through better some of the inventory data coming through a little bit better as well um, I think points to just this sort of nascent gradual improvement in um, in European activity and, and broader global activity as well so no a, a bit of a um, uh, reason for optimism I would say from some of the European data recently Okay, well, a nice summary there, Ben, but I guess a commitment from us both to spend a little bit more time on Europe uh, in the future. But uh, look, an, an area that we do spend a bit of time on, and sadly, we are running out of time. So going to need, uh, as always, your best efforts to do this sort of in a neat, uh, uh, in a neat summary. But, you know, we've got sort of inflation, PCE data coming out of the US. I think um, we've got our ISM data, the markets beyond the AI play, the markets still sort of focusing on, you know, how many rate cuts we might get this year. You know, what is your what is your assessment of the data that's sort of coming through and how the markets might deal with fewer rate cuts than anticipated? So, uh, yeah, PCE data uh, coming out um, this week. That's the one that the Fed really does um, focus on. Um, and look, coming I mean, certainly based on recent data of CPI, PPI and things like that, we should expect to see um, a slightly stronger reading from uh, from PCI, so slightly higher uh, levels, um, perhaps, um, or at least certainly sort of not the, the continuation of the strong disinflationary trend. Um, in terms of what it means for markets, though, what we've seen this year is that the, in January, around about six rate cuts were expected from the Fed in 2024. Today, there are 3.2 as I look at my, my screen this morning. Um, so around about half the rate cuts have been taken out by the market. And where's the S&P? within spitting distance of its all-time high. So what that tells me is that the market is not overly worried about those rate cuts being taken out as long as the growth profile is okay. So if we get, again, reasonably decent ISM data, and again, not sort of screamingly high that you worry about um, discussions of rate hikes coming back in necessarily, um, but even if it means that we push back some of those rate cuts, I don't think that's negative for markets because there would be this sort of nice Goldilocks balance between, okay, inflation's kind of still there, but it's not screaming higher. Growth is still there, which is good. 
that will allow risk assets to to perform reasonably um, reasonably well. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a slightly stronger PCE reading at the um, at the end of this week and uh, a few more of those rate cuts being sort of going pushed back further. Um, but that does not mean necessarily that um, risk assets will fall on the um, on the back of that news. Well, I'm not sure how much you delivered in that re- response, but I know we've talked about uh, that. You know, uh, uh, if the Fed is sort of pricing out rate cuts, but at the same time you're the market's enjoying fantastic earnings momentum from its big names. I mean, I guess it's not mm. uh, too complex for our audience to understand that the markets can <laughs> can cope with that as well, and that's certainly been a, a bit of a dynamic uh, of late. But look, we will. Cool time there, Ben. A fantastic job as always in summing all those forces, and we'll sort of dive into each of them perhaps a little deeper in in, uh, in podcasts to come. But uh, thanks very much, as I said, for for your time. Before we go, I do want to remind our listeners of the the following important disclaimers: the value of investments and any income will fluctuate. This may partly be the result of exchange rate fluctuations, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Uh, This podcast is intended for UK professional clients only and is not for consumer use. Views and opinions are based on current market conditions and are subject to change. This is marketing material and not financial advice. It is not intended as a recommendation to buy or sell any particular asset class, security or strategy. Regulatory requirements that require impartiality of investment or investment strategy recommendations are therefore not applicable, nor are any prohibitions to trade before publication issued by Invesco Asset Management Limited, authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.